Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to launch your very own podcast show like this one? Don't have the time or patience to deal with all the techie stuff? No worries. My company, Geffen Media Group, provides a complete done-for-you podcast service. We will come up with a great name for your show, design your website and podcast artwork, record the intro and outro, send you the equipment, find you great guests, edit and publish every episode, submit to iTunes and major podcast platforms, and promote your show to our network. So all you have to do is hit record and we do the rest. Your voice needs to be heard. So head over to geffenmediagroup.com. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 129 of Can I Pick Your Brain? My guest today has built a six-figure business in two years without spending a dime on advertising. Esty Rand is the founder of Strand Consulting, a full-service consulting firm. This mother of five coaches multi-millionaire business owners and hosts the recently launched Business Breakthrough Podcast. As always, to help introduce my guest, I've put together a short rap. Here goes. Turning ideas into money, now that's her honey. Living in LA cause it's nice and sunny. Super down to earth, she's even kinda funny. But don't be fooled by her demeanor, she ain't no dreamer. More like a financial healer. Starting a business at the age of 10. Who would have thought back then she would prove herself time and again? If you're looking for a business breakthrough, she's the one to turn to. Most marketing advice is so untrue. Her method of madness will awaken you. Enough great ideas, it's time to do. So from one man band, it's time to get your head out the sand. And now here's the one and only, Esty Rand. Esty, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me Pick your brain. Oh my gosh, that was so amazing. Woo! I wish I could frame that. You can't hang it up. You can't, that was so good. You can't frame a rap, though. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Esty. No can do. Oh, that was amazing. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Thank you, Esty. We should let our listeners know, by the way, that we know each other. We've got a little bit of background, right? Tell, tell, tell our yes. listeners how, how do we know each other, Esty? Well, Daniel, you have helped me launch my business breakthrough podcast, which has received hundreds of views just in its first few days of launch a couple of weeks ago. It's amazing. Boom. There we go. So for those of you that are, for those people listening, I know this is all about USD, but for those people listening to this that are still on the edge about starting a podcast, what do you have to say to them? Um, I have to say that it is a ton of fun. It is work. You're, you're going to have to do some work for it. But if your skill set is talking, then you must do this in 2018. This is the absolute best way to build yourself, build your business, help the world if you're a good talker. It's time. The time is now. The time is now. Now, I, I'm really excited for this episode because um, you're one of the most I guess, how do I say this? I don't want to insult you in any way, right? Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to insult, but like, you're like the most- That's not a good beginning. No, it's not. But you are the most unassuming business coach. Meaning, like, I, 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 what I really want to dive into in this episode really is that there's so many scammy, spammy, srammy, slammy, if there's any word for that, for, you know, marketing 
uh, agencies and, and, and marketers out there. You get all over Facebook. You get all these Facebook marketers and, and Instagram marketers and influencer marketers and Google marketers. Like, everybody's claiming to be a marketing expert. And how many people listening to this have spent thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing that just didn't work or on a business coach that kind of just said, so what's your why? And it's like, yeah, get more original, please. Right. So I really, I really want to dive into that. I want to get real. Um, but before we do, I kind of want to set the tone a little bit. Can you can you tell us a little bit about Little Esty? Because I know you started your first business when you were 10. So tell us a bit more about that. I did. Um, so I was a crafter. I still am in my free time. And I used to make these name bracelets, um, the kind that you would get on the street, um, like like wrap string around it. If you type in, I think like Mexican name string bracelets or something, like you could get them in Mexico. My friends used to pick them up. And so we would make them custom. And uh, I ran a business. I like official. I found my old uh, um, paperwork. When I cleaned out my parents' house a few years ago, I made order forms. I calculated my cost of goods sold. Um, like I calculated the cost of the string and all of that, even though my parents paid for that, by the way, but it was like, yeah. just in case I have to pay for it myself. Like I want to know how much money I'm making on each bracelet. Um, I was doing 800% on cogs, by the way. Um, wow. and uh, I had like back orders that, that was my first little business. I didn't even know that that was weird. I was like, Oh, this is just how we do things. We want to know how much we're earning. We want to take official orders. We want to make it as efficient as possible. So I would like a few of us in school, like, right, like fourth, fifth graders were doing these bracelets, <laughs> but I was the only one who made like official designs. Cause I found that if I or offered only like certain patterns, it would go faster and I could make more in the limited time I had, you know, before my seven o'clock bedtime and <laughs> I could make more money. Right. So today, 10 years, I, I have a 10 year old, right? And I wish my 10 year old yeah. was, I wish he was doing stuff like this, right? Most 10 year olds today, they're on their iPhone or iPad or whatever, playing, you know, apps, right? What, what gets a 10 year old motivated to do that? I mean, why would you, did you need to, were your parents poor or was it the opposite? Were your, were, were, <laughs> you know, I know I'm, I'm just getting straight to the point. It was your, were your parents entrepreneurs? So you were inspired by them or was it, what was the That's reason? such an interesting question. Um, you know, no. So thank God we were not poor. I would say we were probably always upper middle class. My dad is a diamond dealer. My mom like worked in an office. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was just fun for me. That's the truth. Like I really, I, is it bad to say I always liked money? Because no, that no, weird? that's not weird at all. In fact, you know, it's interesting you say that because I've had a lot of conversations now with people who have told me that the one thing that really changed in their business success was their mindset over money, right? They, they got rid of, they overcame that guilt or that shame over mm -hmm. having wealth, right? Like as if right. money is like a dirty word to a lot of people. Yeah, I never had that. I, I okay. never had that problem. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I was always like, yeah, that was, I was like, yeah, I do this. You pay me <laughs> that right. was like from the time I was a kid. Right. Um, my dad, so I used to go to my dad's office. I don't know. I guess I, I grew up, my dad was his own, um, I guess he's like a broker. I guess mm -hmm. he was always an entrepreneur if you will, but you didn't call it that in those days. Right. Um, 
And uh, I still remember we had this weird mat, like a little kid's magazine. And I remember on the back of it, I don't know, like, I don't know if we're the same age, but in my day, they used to like try to sell toys on the backs of magazines. They probably still do now. And like, they were selling a money machine. I still remember this. I looked for years for this magazine and it disappeared. It was this machine that you would like roll a paper through it and out would come money. And I remember being a kid and in my head thinking that I need that. Then I don't have to do anything. It'll just make it look a little money printer. It must've been a gag item. But as a kid, you look at these things and you think they're real. And, and not that I was deprived, but I, maybe it's a control thing. Like I wanted to be able to buy my own stuff. I wanted, mm-hmm. I didn't want my parents to be like, Oh, you can't have that. We won't buy it for you. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I'll buy it for myself. <laughs> That's so interesting. So did you always work for yourself or did you have jobs at, at you know, after school? No. So I, I'm, Oh, I'm very risk averse. So I've always had some sort of a side business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also up until about eight years ago when I started this company, always also been employed from the time I was a teenager. Really? Um, I used to work in an art store teaching painting classes. Um, I did different office jobs. I worked at a multinational nonprofit and I got all the way up to the C-suite. Actually, mm. I was the CIO of the company. Um, and at the same time, I was starting this business on the side at night Hmm. you know what i like about that sd i like that a lot because a lot of people for some reason they think that oh you know to be an entrepreneur you've got to like just go all in right you just gotta you know quit Mm -hmm. your job and dive right in there and you know i would think that someone like you especially you right at the age of 10 you're already you know starting your own business and you want control and you want to make money i would think that totally the opposite you would never work for anybody else right you'd always want to be your own boss so just hearing you say that you actually took jobs and then on the side you did these side hustles you know I think it's important for for people to hear that totally because again my end game was that I always wanted money um (laughs) being risk averse when you when you run your own business you don't know for sure if you're going to have money and until I was really sure that it was something that would work Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go all in on it and I work with a lot of business owners. Uh, one of the unusual things about my company is that most small companies work with like three, five clients. We work with 20 to 30 in a rotation wow. at a time. We work with over 100 entrepreneurs a year at least. Um, mm. That's that's one-on-one. That's not including speaking and group coaching and things like that. And uh, you'd be surprised how many successful business owners are risk-averse that they started it as a side thing, um, slowly developing it until it was something they could really lean on. Mm-hmm. So you did, let's get into the into your business for a second. So you deal with about 100 clients a year. How long do you typically, um, how, how long does a client usually stay with you? How long do you usually work with them for? Um, uh, so some people I've met only once ever, very few, most people I meet at least a couple of times. I have some clients that are with me over seven years, almost since I started, mm-hmm. um, not steadily necessarily, usually on and off, you know, we'll work on something and then they'll go on a low burner, check in. There are some people that sometimes I don't hear from them for two, three months, then they come back to work on something else. My clients, as their businesses grow, they need different help. And so we kind of stay together as yep. it will, um, touching base. I've had people who I've worked with, you know, let's say five years ago, 
three years later, they come back. They're like, hey, SD, whatever you did for me three years ago was great, perfect, but now I'm ready for the next step. I'm like, mm-hmm. amazing. We go right back into it. We build them up again. And then, you know, I've had that happen two or three times already where someone that I started with in the early days has already come back ready to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. How did you get into consulting? Because, you know, the one thing that I, I okay, I'm going to get a lot of haters for saying this, but I find it hard when, when, when someone comes out of nowhere and says, I'm a consultant. Like, okay, how many businesses? Oh, totally. You, how many businesses do you start and grow and sell or, you know, like why? So it's so what? funny because I have a pet peeve on that. But yeah. I'll, I'll tell you how I got into this. My pet peeve is people that say, well, if you were successful, must be you can help me. And it's a totally different skill. This, there's a skill called being successful and there's a skill called guiding others toward their success. And they're not the same. So some people can do both and very often they can't. I really think the question is not, were you successful, but are you successful in making others successful? Is but, that your skill set? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to push back on that because if you can make hundreds of people successful and you've worked with, you know, multimillionaires uh, to make them more successful, then why wouldn't you just start your own company and and build success, right? But that's your, it's, you know what? I met a guy once said the same thing to me. He like ran a grocery store and he was like, so what do you do? I said, I, you know, help businesses um, make more money with less headache. He's like, well, why don't you make your own business? I'm like, yeah. that is my business. That's what I'm good at. You're good at selling groceries. I'm good at building other people. That's my company. I hear that. Okay, I get that. I'll leave you alone for now, but. <laughs> so, so question for you. But I'll you, tell you how I got here. I'll tell you how I got here. Tell me how you got here. Yeah. So I was working at this multinational nonprofit and they had a bit of a low glass ceiling. And um, I used to bump my head on it a lot. I kind of uh-huh. <laughs> have a bit of a, a leadership streak. <laughs> I like to be in charge of things. Yep. And I had gotten myself up to the sea level, but there were still a lot of places where, you know, I would give advice to other managers, upper management, other people in the organization and they didn't always follow my advice <laughs> or ideas. And uh, the company hired a consulting firm, um, probably about two, three years before I left. Now this consulting firm came in, told them all the same things that I told them they needed to do, <laughs> but they got paid a whole bunch more and they got listened to. And Mm. I'm sitting there going, I'm in the wrong line of work. I had all those same ideas. I got paid less and no one listened to me. And that was really the beginning of it. Mm. (laughs) I was like, why? Like, I could do exactly what they're, and I watched them. Now, I also ran a lot of the budgets for that organization. And so I would see the back end of what the company charged and how they operated. Uh, We built all the data systems for the organization. So I would actually go down to this consulting firm's headquarters and I, I literally got a back window kind of watch a successful consulting firm, how they operated, what they did. Now, here was the fun part. The consulting firm didn't understand the organization the same way I did. And so though they gave the same advice, their implementation didn't work Mm -hmm. as well. I ended up catching the fallout and fixing it. And that almost solidified it for me of like, not only can I do what they're doing, but I can do it better. Nice. What would you say is like the most common thing when someone comes to you and says, SD, I need help with my business. What's the most common thing that you that you see straight away that's wrong with their business that they're not doing right? 
Uh, you know what? Everybody's different. There's no one thing. I'll tell you what people come in for the most. Yes. The two things that people come in for the most are marketing, this like global idea of like, <laughs> I need marketing. Yeah. It's like, okay, what kind of marketing? I, I just need marketing help. And some of these people just don't even <laughs> know what marketing is. Some of them don't realize that they know what marketing is. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing it. They're either just missing a certain piece or they're, Uh, expectations for success are too high. So they think what they're doing isn't working, but it is just Mm -hmm. working slower than they want it to. Um, Marketing's a big, big one. My favorite's when people come in for social media help and they're like, I need social media. And I'm like, it's like magic. It's like, yeah. if I just had social media, SD, I know this would take off. I think one of my best stories, this guy came in, he ran a continuing education. This is true. I could not make this up. A continuing, organiza- continuing education organization for geriatrics okay. who still lived on their own. Okay. Okay. So continuing education for geriatrics who lived on their own. Okay. So we're talking like the 70 plus okay. um, age bracket. Mm-hmm. And he came to me, he said, Esty, you know, I have <laughs> been having trouble getting people in the door, yeah. but I know if I just use social media, that that would solve it. <laughs> right. And I, I was speechless. <laughs> right. I was like, so I was like, I want to clarify first. Now I'm like, wait, are you talking about like rehab facilities and nursing homes? Are we targeting their children to send the parents or grandparents? He's like, no, no. These are people who are, you know, so high functioning. They still live on their own. They would, right. you know, come in of their own volition. I'm like, can I just tell you your audience is not on social media? That would be such a waste. Right. I, was like, I, don't, I don't even understand how. Yeah. You talk about truth, had a nice truth, You talk about truthful marketing as opposed to regular marketing. What do you mean by that? Ah, so truthful marketing is like this. Truthful marketing is going from your place of truth, your place of strength, mm-hmm. instead of all of these fast talking, tiny size two font disclaimers at the bottom of things of how it only works in these two situations if you Mm -hmm. stand on your head for 13 hours and whatever. Um, Being real with what you can do to help people. That is truthful marketing. It helps for service businesses and product-based businesses, but service much more. We are in a service economy now. and when a service business owner is vague and they make these kind of empty promises and we look like magic and we're going to save your life and we're going to heal you and we're going to just just be straight. Be really clear about what your value proposition is for your audience. Make sure you have an audience that wants it mm-hmm. and it goes boom. It, it flies. That truth breaks through the marketplace so incredibly. You have no idea. So give me an ex- there's so g- much give, of it lacking. Can you give us give us some examples? I know that you post a lot on LinkedIn, and you and you, you, you your posts are getting a lot of traction. Um, give me an example of something that you would write about or that you would talk about that is coming from more of a truthful marketing rather than the the traditional marketing. Okay. Um, so for example, I'm actually doing this. This is a great example. It's a truthful marketing about truthful marketing. Watch watch this. It's like those mirrors that face each other that go like deeper and deeper. (laughs) Um, I was asked, so I, exactly like you said earlier, all these, you know, um, digital marketers and Google marketing and this marketing. And I regrettably get a lot of the fallout um, from clients (laughs) who get sucked into these things. One of my clients, um, He'll forgive me, hopefully, if he's listening to this. I'm not going to say his name. He's like, 
Christy, guess what? I was on this radio show. I'm like, that's great. Where is he? He's like, oh, it only goes live. I'm like, okay, when? He's like, basically, there are these people that advertise to, it's a certain sub audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind they of sub, what kind of sub audience? This, I just don't want to say the industry. I feel bad for my client. Let, let's okay, say fine, fine. skincare people. Let's say I'm I'm just very careful about my privacy. Uh, Let's say like people who work in skincare, we have this massive audience of people who are interested. We Mm -hmm. have this radio show with tons of listeners and you know, you pay us $5,000 and you could be a guest on our radio show. Okay. I'm like, Oh oh my gosh, did you already do this? He's like, yeah, it was great. I'm like, did you get any calls? He's like, no, not yet. I'm like, do you know if this thing actually ever aired? He's like, well, they interviewed me. Like it really happened. I'm like, but where was it published? Why can't I see it anywhere? Mm. (laughs) So that's like the worst of it. That's like the bottom of the barrel, just liars. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Poor guys get sucked into these crazy things. Um, But even the people who are like, Oh, we do Google AdWords for you. We're going to get you a ton of leads. Um, I'll tell you what, one of my guys, a lawyer did one of these, you know, we get tons of leads for you. Google AdWords, da da da. And, and he got tons of leads and they were all the wrong kind. Because the company didn't understand his angle, didn't understand his benefit, didn't understand his pricing, and the leads they got him were worthless. And so truthful marketing is both for the users, like the companies who hire these people, but even more so for the providers. And so I was asked by a few of my clients and and LinkedIn contacts who get asked to do marketing, right? I got a call from a web designer couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, SD. So I just, one of my clients wanted me to help with SEO and social media. And so I told them I would, but I'm not sure how. So I just wanted to know, um, I'll pay you for your time. Can you just advise me which social media platforms, you know, are the good ones to use today? And what should we put there? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you joking? Did you just sign somebody up? to pay you to do something that you haven't got a blessed clue how to do. (laughs) Jeez. I'm like, okay, let me explain something to you. Real social media, okay, is just as deep and well thought through as any other marketing thing. There are no good social media platforms. There are good social media platforms for each business and each industry according to the um, target audience, according to the service or product being provided, according to the budget and ability of the business owner. Hmm. Like there's no one answer. There's no one answer. SEO is the same way. Who are you trying to get to? Yeah, we could talk about meta tagging and we could talk about keyword research. We could talk about long tail, short tail. We could talk about all of that, but it's so specific. You need a custom strategy for every business. She's like, oh, I kind of thought you could just like tell me what's hot and that's what we would do. I'm like, <laughs> no. And you have no idea how many people waste so much money, time, energy, and effort getting no results. So the point of this was that the a few people, including that one, asked me if I would teach them marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to now get to teach truthful marketing to the marketers. Oh. And then they can help their clients with marketing strategy. They can get paid for it. A lot of designers and other marketers, they'll offer strategy. Either they not don't always know. Um, like sometimes they're just guessing. Um, mm-hmm. Or sometimes they know, but they're uncomfortable to get paid for it. 
Let me ask you a so, question, uh, though, the, the, yeah. um, Esty, sorry to, to cut in, because you're talking about a lot about marketing and how you teach marketing and, and truthful marketing and the right way to do marketing. But in the introduction, um, I mentioned in your bio that you built a six-figure business in two years without spending a dime on advertising. So what's the difference between advertising and marketing? Oh, that is such a good question. That is one of my absolute favorite questions in the world. Okay. Marketing is, this is my, my long sentence that I explain to people, is the creation and communication of value of your product or service to your target audience to convince them to buy. Okay. Sorry, I'll, I'll now, try to move get off, get off, get off Wikipedia. Um, get off Wikipedia now. Give us the plain, plain <laughs> That's English. That's not Wikipedia. That is my uh, definition. Sure I wrote that. That is mine. <laughs> Really? In plain English, yeah. marketing is everything you do to get the attention of the people that you want to pay for what you're offering. That is marketing. Advertising <laughs> is just one element of that. And if you understand marketing, you almost don't need to do paid advertising. Okay. Because marketing encompasses your pricing, what you're actually offering, your product offerings. Mm -hmm. It encompasses your place, your location, your channels. Mm -hmm. It encompasses all forms of promotion, of which advertising is only one. Right? Okay. A two-for-one deal is a type of promotion. Okay. A free e-guide is a type of promotion. There are so many things that are, quote-unquote, what people would call advertising that aren't necessarily. And uh, what I did, what I advise people to do is I worked from my place of strength. Um, if you haven't noticed, I like to talk. Yes. It's fun for me. Yes. I like to talk too, but clearly here I don't have a... A chance, you know, but it, it's, which is hey. fine. No, 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 you're the guest. You're the hey. guest. No, you're the guest. It's, oh. Look, when I go out with my wife, I know that I keep my mouth shut because my wife, she likes to talk as well. Similar to you, she, you know, she's the, she is the, the life of the party. So I know to take the back seat and just let her roll. You know, it's important to know where you fit in life and different, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, my parents told me that by age one, I was speaking in full sentences, and then I, I never stopped. I have I no, I have absolutely no doubt. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about your Dude, that's scale. How I it. That's how I scaled it. <laughs> so, I talked. But let's get a bit more in detail, because for those listening, you know, that's too vague. Like, great. Okay, talk. Yeah. Talk about what? What did you do? <laughs> let's start from the beginning. Day one, Esty Rand opens up Strand Consulting. She's got this great idea. She's so excited. She's telling all her friends. But you know what? How do you get your first couple of clients? Okay, you know what? Maybe you call up, you know, a few friends. Maybe you post a few things on social media. Maybe you send out a few emails. Maybe you join some networking events. That's great for the first, let's say, 10, 20 clients. How do you then scale after that? So uh, when we moved to LA, now it's already almost four years ago, I just started hustling and calling. I, I just started calling everyone. I subscribed to the, all the different local newsletters and to meetups. And I tried reaching out to any kind of networking groups um, and business conferences mm -hmm. and trying to get myself booked to speak. And, uh, and that is how it exploded because that's, that's really my skill set. There's also a skill, not a skill, but like a system to giving a talk that generates clients. There's a way to give a speech that you, you convert clients. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and I would, I just went around, I went to all these networking events wherever I could, I would go for free. I would even like fly. Um, we had a lot of points, so <laughs> I would fly on points and fly around and speak at these different conferences. And I am still today. Okay. So like 
three years later after some of these conferences, I'm still getting clients from those speaking engagements. What's that formula? You just mentioned that there's a formula for speaking and being able to attract clients. What's the formula? So, so this is my formula. I know that other people have different ones. I find some of them slightly dishonest. They annoy me. This is my <laughs> truthful marketing formula <laughs> yeah. for generating clients from a speaking engagement. Mm -hmm. Either you give them a taste of information that can help them while alluding. I've done both of these. They both work. You give them a taste of information that can help them. So you're giving a value add. You're giving real information that they can use, but you give them the sense that there is still so much more. So for example, I have this, you know, six step marketing system that I teach people. There's no way in a 45 minute lecture or, or class that I can give over the whole thing. It's not possible. So what I'll do is I'll give it an overview. I'll make sure that there's at least one or two key takeaways that people can implement so they feel mm -hmm. like their time was well spent uh, but i make it clear that there's so much more here okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw some questions at you because i i can imagine if i was listening to this like if i'm driving my car running on my treadmill um and and listening to this podcast i would have the following question you know that, that sounds almost a waste of time why would you fly somewhere or go to an event and speak and spend you know the day speaking when you can go on social media right now and you could be speaking in front of you know thousands of people instead of just maybe a hundred or fifty or whatever it is like why would you go out and speak on stage when you've got social media literally you can be sitting on your toilet networking I mean sorry to be so graphic but <laughs> I mean, like I do, everyone does it. Let's not like, come on, like we all do that, right? So why would I need to get dressed and go out of my house, get on a f plane to get to an event where there might be 56 people who I'm going to speak to? Like, what the heck is the point of that if I can just literally, you got my question. Yeah, so I was only flying if there were a few hundred. That's first of all. Okay, Otherwise, fine. I stayed even, local. <laughs> even going to a local event, it's a whole day thing because you got to prepare and you got to get there and you got to you know smile and greet and shake hands and you know take everybody's business cards and chuck them out afterwards. Fair. So. Hey, I save every single one of those. I do what? not check okay. them. I have Sorry. a drawer full of business cards. Okay. I save them. No, because that's part of how I built the business. There's a long range follow up also. There's, there's a whole system to it. It's not like I go and I speak and then you never hear from me again. How are you going to remember me three years later if I do that? Social right. media is part of the follow-up. Monthly newsletters, part of the follow-up. Um, it, it's not like you go and you speak and then like you hope for the best. So there are a certain group of people that will come right after that, but I'll answer your question first. Why do it? Two reasons. Um, one, social media three and four years ago is not what it is today. LinkedIn, the new LinkedIn, as people have been calling it, is less than a year old, really, where people are really seeing strong results from LinkedIn, and I am. Um, and the other thing is you take the opportunities that come. I was getting a lot of speaking opportunities on the East Coast. They were very worthwhile. Um, also, social media often takes a long time to build up. You don't go on there and on day one, you've got clients, but you fly somewhere and you speak. And by the time you leave there, you've booked a few clients. So the, the speed with which social media, when we do it for people, even when we ghost for other business owners, I always say we do a three month minimum. You're not going to see results in less than that. If you mm -hmm. think you're going to go on social media today and tomorrow you're going to have clients, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. It takes time. So if I want clients quickly, I'm going to go in front of an audience. And it's also your skill sets. I happen to, 
I, I'd like to think be a decent writer as well. It's part of how my LinkedIn has been doing so well. Um, You're I a communicator. Key, that's that's it. You're a communicator. I'm a communicator. It's there true. You go. I'm a communicator. Um, but I, I know I've had a 33% client conversion rate from speaking engagements. Wow. I know that's my thing. Really? Yeah, that's my average. Depending on, again, when you're giving a, a workshop to 10 people and then six of them become clients, so it helps up the average. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So there's two ways. I told you one is giving people a taste. Again, making sure that no one ever feels like they wasted their time, making yep. sure that they have something to go home with, but alluding to there's more. The other thing, and I do this also sometimes, um, just because I also like teaching, mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a friend of mine says, um, sometimes listening to your classes is like drinking water from a fire hose. It's just like... <laughs> deluge of information like i'm just gonna throw it all at you Mm -hmm. you can listen to it again and again i'll record it um but you're very likely gonna walk out of there being like whoa that was amazing tremendous i need to understand all of that i'm so glad you brought that up because that's so interesting how a lot of people think that if I talk too much about what I do nobody will hire me because i'm giving away the game right i'm giving away the secrets and it, that mm-hmm. is so far from the truth. In fact, it's the opposite. The companies are the people who who um, give away everything. Literally, they give you everything. Usually what happens is, mm-hmm. is most people, okay, 90% or 95% of people uh, get overwhelmed and they just can't do it themselves. They either are too busy, they don't have the time, or they just they just don't know where to begin and they're overwhelmed and they just they need someone to help them. In either case, they're going to hire you because you're the one that gave them all this information and now you know that they can do it, you want them to do it for you. Whereas on the other yep. hand, right, when someone like holds their cards close to their chest and they're like, I'm not telling you anything, so it's like, well, I don't really know if I can trust you, I don't know if you're good, like, you know what I'm saying? So give more to get more. Totally. And the gift is, why would they come to you when you've given them everything? Because you've given them the general knowledge. Now, if they're good enough to apply it for themselves, fantastic. Very often I'll find that even when people will take something I've taught in a a general class or a webinar or or group coaching, um, they can take it only so far on their own. And then even if they only need a little bit of my time to get them where they need to go, it's still worth it. Um, Mm. And I've been called an unconsultant for many reasons. I don't need to be needed. It's part of why we work with so many people. You know, it's so interesting because what I noticed on social media as well, which is what a lot of people are doing wrong is they'll get on Facebook Live or they'll do like, you know, some sort of a post on LinkedIn and they'll kind of give you a very vague like, yeah, business is great and we do this and we're so good and we just got another client. (laughs) And it's like, okay, great. That doesn't really tell me anything. Like everybody's tooting their horns. Everybody's like pretending that they're better than than they're doing, right? That's, we we all know that. But the Mm -hmm. people who I am seeing who are really successful are the people who are doing these 60 seconds or these three minute videos where they're giving you a tool or a tip that that they've used that works and you you can take it away. And the more you see these videos, the more you watch these videos, the more you realize, oh my goodness, this, this person like really knows what they're doing. And so you build that trust and you build that relationship. And it's not just this, like I'm just, there's so many marketers out there just kind of throwing up like complete garbage just complete like vague sentences and vague like what what's with these quotes like you know you can do it uh, you know if you don't uh, 
Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, like, inspiration is better than perspiration. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I never saw that before. Like, come on. Seriously. Right? You could do better than that. Totally. Some of my most successful posts on LinkedIn, I've been running this series um, ongoing now for a couple of months, um, hashtag how LinkedIn works, literally teaching people how the algorithms in LinkedIn um, are working, which has helped me, you know, get like 20, 30, 40,000 views on a lot of my posts. Um, wow. And I'm teaching people that. And someone even messaged me. They're like, Esty, like, why aren't you like, I don't, I don't mind, but why are you keeping this to yourself? Mm. I'm like, because what does it hurt me that someone else should be successful? I don't believe in that. I believe there's room for everyone in this business, yeah, in every I, business. If you yeah. can't differentiate yourself enough that everyone is your competitor, then you don't belong here. Boom. That's the abundance mindset versus the, uh, the, what's the other abundance versus scarcity versus a scarcity mindset. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. Let's change tracks a little bit. In terms of scaling, we talked about um, truthful marketing and communicating and giving away you know, tips and tricks and, and actual things that people can actually go and use. What about you're at the point now where you've grown enough that you kind of need someone, you need to hire someone because you can't fulfill all the orders and you can't handle all the clients, but you, it's a scary thing because... Like hiring someone else means you've really got to put your trust in them to take care of your clients, number one. And number two, there's the other bit of fear, which is what if I have a bad month and suddenly I can't pay their salary, right? How did you mm. overcome that? Because you're very risk averse, right? So how does a risk averse person deal with their first hire? Oh my gosh. My first hire, my first hire was a really scary thing. Actually. I think my first like official hire. So when I started, I started by doing partnerships with people originally. Um, you know, let's say bringing in other contractors or other companies to help service clients. And I got burnt terribly a few mm. times, really bad. My first official hire was, uh, I brought someone in very low burner two hours a day. Um, and so many people will say, well, what if you can't find someone? I didn't look like that. I said, what do I need in this company? I said, right now I need about two hours a day of admin help and some specific implementation for clients. This is what I need right now. That's mm -hmm. what I'm going to hire. I don't know where I'm going to find it yet or how, but I know that this is exactly my need. I know that I definitely have that much work for at least the last few months. I think it's very stable. Even if I have a bad month, I can pay a salary for someone who's working that part-time right now. Um, and so that was that was really safe. That same person now works for me full-time, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, but she started at just two hours a day. Very low burner. And so that would be my advice. Figure out what you need that you know you can for sure cover, um, even if you would have a bad month or two. You know, I had, I had a rough six months last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did not, I did not cut any of my steady staff. Thank what, God. What about instead of hiring someone locally, you know, two hours, couldn't you have just hired someone in the Philippines or a team in the Philippines for the same price to work full time or at least part time? So that was actually, my entire staff is virtual. I recently tried to hire someone locally um, mm. to work in my office with me. And I was like, I kind of like my office quiet. My right. entire team is virtual. This person is virtual. That's so they are not local. 
So everybody's based somewhere else. You don't have like an office full of staff. Everybody's based somewhere else. Everyone's based somewhere else. The company is tri-coastal, east, west, and Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And do you find so the communication... So I have staff in all the time zones. Do you find communication is tough or is it you manage okay? Um, I actually find that it's excellent. Because we have clients in all the time zones, it's it works really well to have staff in all time zones. It mm-hmm. helps me. It helps the clients. Um, I love it. A lot of my staff is in Israel. I started the company when we lived in Jerusalem mm, um, five years ago. And so the time zone difference from Jerusalem to LA is excellent. I finish my work day. I leave instructions for my staff there. By the time I wake up the next morning, they've done everything I said. We, we have like a 24-hour clock. It's, it's amazing. Like, it's, like getting Amazon, it's like getting something from Amazon in the morning every day. It's like, woohoo, what's now? What have I got? You know? Yeah. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I literally wake up and I find the stuff in my inbox, in my messages. So like, I, it's great. It do works you remember really the, do well you remember, Do you remember the first person you fired? Ah, first person I fired. Hold on, I'm remembering my recent fires. One second, let me think back. Well, <laughs> l- l- no, what, even fired. even even the, even your recent fires. I'm asking you this because you know one of the things that I think a lot of people in business they're scared of hiring is they're actually scared of having to fire someone. You know, because and I hate this. By the way, this is my worst thing. Like I literally mm-hmm. absolutely hate having to fire someone. Um, yeah, just, but we talked about my self-firing system. I mentioned that to you in passing at some point. We should tell your audience about the self-firing system. It's excellent. Let's, let's, let's hear it. Okay. So uh, the self-firing system is part of the hiring system, which we're not going to have time to go into. Correct. But Basically, when you onboard, we won't go through the beginning parts. When you onboard someone, you build into their entire employment how they're going to remain with you or what the consequences will be that will end up having them leave you. So that means that when you bring someone on board, you want a really clear job definition, clear expectations, what you expect from them. Again, if you don't know what to expect from them, that's part of what you set in that beginning trial time. I always do a trial period. We always do a one month trial. Mm -hmm. So in that first month, I'm giving over my expectations. This is what I need from you. This is what I expect it to to look like, how long I expect it to take. And then I want to hear from my new employee, is that reasonable for you? Do you know how to do this? Do you need my help with it? Do you Mm. need any kind of training, any other resources? Now, if I've told them what I need and they've told me that they think they can do it and uh, they have everything they need or I give them whatever else they're missing, then we have a check-in point. In the beginning, it might be daily or weekly or monthly, depending on the type of, of employee you brought on. At that check-in point, I've got to look back and say, hey, these were the expectations. You said that you'd be able to meet them. Let's see, did it happen? When we do those assessments and uh, you know, a few times we are not meeting those expectations that we've both agreed to, right? We've made this very, very clear. The person basically leaves by themselves. You, you don't need to fire someone. It's like this mutual, hey, listen, we tried this. We said mm. that this looked like it was gonna work. We both see that it didn't been great knowing you right i hear that i like that a lot they've basically set Super themselves simple. up right they've basically yeah. set themselves up and they've agreed to certain tasks and you know by certain times and if they don't meet those you know those uh goals then essentially you just say look it didn't work out and thank you very much 
and you move on. Yeah. And again, there is, there is a training period though. Meaning I don't want people to think I'm like this evil monster is like, well, you didn't manage it. So goodbye. It's not like mm. that. The first few times you're assessing, you're troubleshooting. Why didn't it work? Were we missing something? Did you, did you not understand this? You know, we're, we're trying to figure out, but once you've checked in, you know, three, four, five, six times, and it's just not working again, because you've tried each time to make it work better. Mm-hmm. And I can, should I give a specific example that might help people understand? Yeah, please. Okay. So I brought on, um, this is a, a good one. I brought on someone to do social media. Um, yep. I always, always try to start my staff on company projects before I put them on client facing projects, which is also a really good idea. That's interesting. Before you take a new person and introduce them to all your clients and all your customers, First, just see if you work well together, test them on something internal. So most of my social media people that I have work on client projects have first worked on company social media. So if you're ever following my social media and like suddenly for a week or so you see something a little weird going on, <laughs> I might be testing someone new out. Okay. Uh, I'm willing to risk it. Right. Um, so I brought someone on to do social media and I said, okay, these are my expectations. You know, you already have experience on these platforms, so you know what you're doing. I would like to see a minimum of 10 quality leads and one client conversion per month. I want to see that you're getting my style. Here's a bunch of sample posts that I've done. Here's a bunch, da, 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 da. Great. Yep. We said we're going to check in every month. I know social media takes at least three months to gain any yep. traction. Three months I want, oh, and I want at least a um, 100 new followers a week because mm-hmm. I was able to do double that on my own. So at the very least, that that should be happening. Got it. Um, and it was on a platform that that's, that's normal. Yep. So uh, we said, okay. I said, is that reasonable for you? Yes. Anything else you need from me? No. Amazing. Month one goes by. I've lost followers. I've gotten zero leads, zero clients. Oh, man. We have our check-in. And I say, hey, so, you know, this is our scheduled check-in. And it's not a surprise. We said we're going to touch base at the end Mm -hmm. of the month. So let's see. We started, I pull up that original written down job description, written expectations that we both confirmed. And I say, hey, let's look at this. Let's see how we're doing, you know, compared to what we expected to do. And I say, we're not doing so great. I haven't gotten any leads. I haven't gotten any clients. And uh, this is going back a few years, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I'm not really getting the sense that you're you're getting my style either. And we lost followers. So she says to me, I know SD, so here's what's happening. It's taking me time to totally get your voice. You know, it takes a little time for me to catch it. And, uh, you know, we lost followers because I was unfollowing people that weren't quality. We want to have only show that you're only following certain people. So, mm-hmm. you know, the... The platform is penalizing you. Fine. No problem. She said, I think this month it'll really work. I said, great. We said, we're going to give it three months. Let's go again. Same expectations, same metrics. Let's try being in touch, you know, on WhatsApp for you to get more of my voice. Send me the post before you post them. I can, you know, give you little edits so you start getting more of the sound. Great. One more month goes by. I gain about 10 followers, no leads, no clients. Oh, okay. To get my voice a little better. We check in again. I say, hey, let's check in. We're, we got 10 followers. That, that's not 100 a week. Mm. And um, and no leads, no clients. Like, what's going on? She's like, you know, I'm not really sure. She said, I've, I haven't had so much trouble with my other clients. I'm having, I'm having trouble with your stuff. Um, I'm not sure. I said, okay, listen, we said we're going to do three months. Do you want to continue one more month? She said, yeah, yeah, I really think I'm going to get it this month. I, I think it's taken me time to figure it out, but I think I'm really, I've got it now. Um, I think I've really got your voice now. I think it's going to be great. So fine, one more month, no problem. End of month three, we've gotten another 50 followers, okay, not 100 a week, mm-hmm. no leads, no clients. 
And so yeah. I check in and I say, hey, I don't know if this is working so much the way we expected it to. She's like, it's really not. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. No worries. We tried it. It didn't work. That's okay. She's like, okay, great. Yeah, you know, and I realized, like, I think I just can't do um, social media for consulting firms. I'm like, I hear. All right. Mm. <laughs> and that it. was it. That was it. And and you know what? She has sent me clients. Wow. Because we parted on such great terms. She has sent people to me um, uh, for help because over the time that she worked for me, she got to know what I can do. Love it. So let me ask you this. So for the people, for those listening, if they wanted to hire you as a as a coach, not a coach, as a um, as an agency, a marketing agency. My question is: Do you only work with uh, multi-million dollar businesses, or do you work with small businesses as well? And oh my gosh, not at all. Right, everybody. And it's also, we're not just a marketing agency. This is part of what makes us so unusual in the small business space. Mm -hmm. It's a full service consulting firm. So helping business owners in everything from marketing to staffing, to profit profitability, figuring out their numbers, um, employee relations, business growth, you know, where to go, how to package things. We do do, I would say about half of what we do is marketing. It's definitely one of my superpowers, but the other half of what we do is not. And uh, I work with everyone from solopreneurs to mid-sized companies. So yeah, we, we also do do coaching, but it's, it's like a, it's a blend. I don't know. There's small yeah. business owners all need something different. Mm. That's the truth. And, yeah. and there's a blend of services that most people need. So we come in where they need everything from strategy, what should you do in order to reach your goals, to implementation, actually helping them make it happen if they want to use my team. Brilliant. And of course, for those listening, if you want to uh, listen more to SD Rand, you can check out her new podcast, Business Breakthrough, which is on iTunes. And you can also go to, is it SDRand.com? SD? It is. SDRand.com. Brilliant. And, uh, and obviously, make sure to subscribe to her podcast. It's awesome. Esty, why don't you give them a little bit of a teaser of what your podcast is, is about? Ooh, the podcast is so much fun. So the podcast is about making business success relatable to all humans. So many of these podcasts, um, excluding yours, of course, of course which is very raw and real. Right. Um, but many podcasts just talk about how awesome the person is. Um, and that's nice. That's really nice to hear about how amazingly successful other people are. And in my podcast, I wanted to make that relatable because I find that even for my clients, sometimes I mean, oh, SD, this guy did this and that guy did this. And, you know, they're so successful, I'm never going to get there. Mm -hmm. And the idea is no those people were just like you. Some of them are still like you. I know. I sit with the guys who literally, you know, are earning multi-million dollar profits on their businesses and they're still struggling with something. That, right. That's why we're sitting together. And so the podcast is about the pivotal moments that got business owners to their place of success where they are now and what they're still currently struggling with even there. So Love it. Everybody from solopreneurs, we've got like graphic designers, celebrity agents, people in CPG, fashion people, like all range of small business industry, accountants, lawyers, like the whole thing, um, talking about what got them there and their current struggle and trying to reach a breakthrough live on air. Brilliant. And so for those listening, if you go to danielgeffen.com forward slash 129, I'll also link up 
um, SD's podcast there, and of course, all the resources that we mentioned in the show. So that's danielgeffen.com forward slash 129. SD, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, and thank you very much for letting me pick your brain. Looking forward to all my listeners for the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.